Hey, the older I get, the longer I, I walk with the Lord, the more I realize that what we need most, only God can do. And what you need, what, when you need what only God can do, you pray. The older I get, the more I walk with the Lord, the more convinced I am that what we need the most, only God can do. Am I right about that? The stuff that really keeps you awake at night, that burdens your heart, the stuff that really matters is stuff only God can do. You can't control it. You can't manipulate it. You can't force it. Only God can do it. And when, when you need what only God can do, what do you do? You pray. So here's a prayer that I have prayed for years and years and years. I usually pray it when the kids were at home and then they had upstairs bedrooms and I would walk out in the hallway outside their rooms after we had prayed with them and they were laying in their beds and often they were asleep or sometimes they were still awake. And I must have prayed this prayer a thousand times for our eight kids, four boys, four girls. Dear Lord, please let them love you with all their heart, all their life, and never turn aside. Right? Any of you ever prayed that prayer? Or somebody that you love? How many of you, everybody you know, is walking with the Lord? Yeah, right. So, and, how, and can you control that? No, you cannot. Can you influence that? Yes, you can. And that's what we want to talk about. Now, there was an, an elderly lady in our church. She was a pastor's wife. Her name was Pauline Athman. And she had raised kids for the Lord. And she was a devout Christian lady. She was the kind of elderly Christian lady you wanted to be quiet and listen when you were around her. And she went to the hospital one day years ago and and uh, I was going to go call on her in, in Grand Rapids. And I thought this will be my opportunity to pick her brain about what are her secrets about raising kids who love the Lord all of their life and never turn aside. And I'll never forget, I went to her bedside and I said, Mrs. Affman, tell me kind of what's, what's the secret to raising kids who will love the Lord all of their life? And she said, Ken, Pastor Ken, she said, it's the grace of God. And I said, well, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. So, so, I mean, I know it's the grace of God because nothing, you know, good ever happens unless it's a gift from, from God. But I'm just saying, you know, what, what would you, what, what kind of tips would you give me? What, what kind of uh, secrets would you tell me? What, what, what advice would you give me about raising kids who love God all their lives? And she said, Ken, it is the grace of God. And I said, well, you know, of course I know. But I mean, you know, wouldn't you say there are some things you do? She said, listen, you're not going to get any other answer out of me right now. If your kids live for the Lord, it is the grace of God. Now, we know that's true. We also know that there are things the scriptures say that can help us influence people to live for God. And so rather than giving, you know, trite statements that are, that are uh, guarantees, which the scriptures really don't do, let's just talk about what the Bible does say, about the kinds of things that we can do that will influence other people to live for God, because there are things that we can do to influence other people to live for God. Now, Lois and I have, this is, we've devoted our lives to raising our kids to live for God. And this has been our heartbeat. This is probably, we're, we're different people. It's probably the, we agree about Jesus. We agree about that. And like we have different teams. Our doctrine is a little bit different. Uh, she, she likes to sleep with a fan on at night. You know, I don't. Uh, it, we have a lot of things we don't agree on. But the big stuff we've agreed on for years, we love Jesus and we want our kids to love Jesus and we want to influence other people to love Jesus. And, and so we so agree on that. And we so have united in prayer and devoted our hearts to that. And, and that, that means more to us than anything 
You know, I don't, I don't care if my kids root for my team when they grow up, but I want them to know my Jesus when they grow up. That's what I really care about. And if they rooted for my team and they didn't love my Jesus, then that would be very sad, right? So, so Lois and I have devoted ourselves to this, and, but we're not done and we won't even know in our lifetime if it happened, right? Because we, our kids will, oh, I hope all of them are going to outlive us. And we won't know if they live for the Lord all their life. So we're just in process like you are. We're all in a process, right? And sometimes a kid walks away from the Lord and sometimes they don't come back until mama is dead, right? We just don't know. What we do know is there are things in the Bible that, that the Bible has given us that certainly are. God, it's God's grace if anybody. It's a miracle if anybody gets saved. It's a series of miracles if anybody grows in sanctification, right? Salvation is a miracle, Amen. Sanctification is a process that requires a number of miraculous inner life changes. You can't manipulate that. You can't force that. But the Bible teaches you can, you can try to influence that. So like if you see our family and you see a picture of our family, of course, my wife is a photographer and we throw all the bad pictures away. Like if I don't look skinny, we don't, we don't use that picture. Now, she's a good photographer. Yeah, you have to take pictures that I look skinny. So I might have to be a little old, right? But that's just the way it is. If you're married to a photographer, your family looks good. Our family looks good in pictures. We're like a bad roofing job, right? We look great from the road. You get up close, lots of crooked shingles there. If you talk to us, if you talk to get to know Lois, get to know me, get to know the kids, you'll go, yeah, these are Jesus people, but they need a little work. Am I right? Are you that way? Anybody here not need a little work? If you're, if you're not voting, you need a little work. Glad you're here. Because like you need to start from humble yourself before God and admit you need a little work. You got some crooked shingles in your family too. And yet there are these things that we can do. So you might be asking now, why should I listen to a message about growing a family with a lifelong love for God if all my kids are grown or if I don't have kids or maybe if I've had outcomes with my family that are kind of unhappy right now, why would I listen to this message? Wouldn't it just be painful for me? What if I'm a single person? What if I'm single again and I'm here? And it just, it's just painful to listen to this stuff. I thought about you. I've thought about you a lot. Before I decided to preach this message, I prayed about you a lot, and I thought about you a lot, and I want to hear from you. But here's why you should listen. A couple of things. Number one, so that you can coach and support and pray and teach other people. Doug, you're involved in a, you've been involved in years with rural teens. Do all of them have faithful parents? No way. Do you, do you not work with thousands that could use the influence of people who maybe even don't have kids, right? Totally. Would you mind if they gave donations to your ministry or sent kids? Of course, you would probably allow that. Yeah, you'd be good on it. And I'm so glad you're there. And you're like I am. You know, I've heard about you for years. I just met you today. I heard about you for years because you speak at Camp Barakel and other places and, and you do well. And my son gave you high marks and my son's a real bright kid. So he doesn't give you high marks if you don't deserve them. Tells me stories that you told. And you know this, when we go to these camps, we talk to kids, so many of them, their parents just aren't faithful. Their parents don't know the Lord, they're on drugs, or they're hurting, or they're just, they're, they're, their own lives are broken. Church, there are kids, thousands of them, right? All over Michigan, all over this beautiful state, who could use some input? Like a simple thing, for instance, we just mentioned the camp, Sela or Barrichello, whatever. What if you just, you know, maybe if you didn't, you know, you, you already raised your kids, or maybe you don't have kids, or maybe one of your kids is kind of breaking your heart, disappointing you. And what if you set aside what it costs to go to camp and you prayed that God would give you a kid that would want to go to camp and what if you paid their way? I was at camp last weekend and I said, how many of you kids, there were a couple hundred kids in a room, how many of you paid your own way? Two kids raised their hands. I said, my goodness, everybody else here is somebody loving on you and given that money, they could have spent that on something else. 
but they gave it so that you could be here. What a powerful thing it would be. How can you influence? You can come and populate our Awana program and people listen to kids sharing verses and listen to the, you know, learn their names and hear their little hearts and love on those kids. You know, right? You can help in, in, in things here or there. There are ways you can be an influence because there are thousands. So that's one. Another, another thing is you can just recommend these messages to people you know need them. Maybe somebody raising a family and the messages are helpful and, you know, tell them how they can watch or listen to the messages. Also, the concepts I'm going to talk about in, these, in this series, which is actually a teaching from Deuteronomy 6, are transferable to everybody. So you don't have to be too sharp to recognize that even if you're, if you're raising a family or if you're not raising a family right now, they're still relevant to you. Now, I want you to listen to a poem, a prayer. This is a poem by a lady named Amy. And it's a, it's a prayer poem about children loving God. Here's the poem. Father, hear us, we are praying. Hear the words our hearts are saying. We are praying for the children. Keep the children from powers of evil, from the secret hidden peril. Father, hear us for our children from the worldling's hollow gladness, from the sting of faithless sadness. Father, Father, keep our children. Through life's troubled waters, steer them. Through life's bitter battles, cheer them. Father, Father, be thou near them. And wherever they abide, lead them home at eventide. This was written by a woman that didn't have children. Not a one, never got married. 54 years, a missionary in India, Amy Carmichael, wrote that poem for the children. Yeah, we all are the village. We're the church that raises the children, right? We help them go to camp. We help them go to the mission field. We help them learn their Bible verses. We, we're, we're the ones that put up with the craziness, and they put up with our craziness, right? They go off and do something crazy, and we still love it on them, right? We're not going to reject them. We're not going to weird out over that because we know we're the team. We're the village. We're the church. We're the people that are helping raise the kids so that they'll have a lifelong love for God. So we all ought to be all in on this, right? And so last week, Pastor Nate took us behind the scenes in his life, and he told us some personal stories that were awesome about his heritage. And uh, if, if, I, if you were listening, then I think probably your heart, trust him a little bit more with your kids, because he has this heritage. And then he talked about the legacy, a very simple message, right? We, had a, we celebrate our heritage the way we're raised if we were for the Lord. And then we cultivate our legacy. That's what he said. And this is what we're talking about how to celebrate if somebody told us about the Lord and how to cultivate a, a legacy of telling other people about the Lord. And so now we're in Deuteronomy and chapter six. Now, you know how the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Moses, five, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Did I say Exodus? I meant Deuteronomy. What did I say? You need to listen better. Um, Deuteronomy, the last of the five, the Pentateuch, the last of the five. And so this is, uh, this is the second statement. It's not the second law. It's the second statement of the law. And the circumstances are interesting because the people had, had they succeeded or failed? Yeah, they had failed. And now he brings them back around and says, let's try this one more time. So it's kind of cool. You have a book here that's like, we're going to give you another chance. How many of you have needed more than one chance to live for the Lord? How many of you needed repeated chances? Yeah. So isn't it great? You have a book of the Bible here that says, we're going to do this again, and, and we're, going to, we're going to do it the right way. And here's the thing. The Bible, in, in, the, in the book of Deuteronomy, you read it, it's very good reading. It, it, you'll notice there in the narratives, it's, it's really basically three extended discourses by Moses. And this is the leader of leaders. God uses this guy, empowers this guy to lead God's people. And then for hundreds of years, we've read about 
Moses, who wrote the book on leadership, and now he's going to stand, and he's going to give three extended discourses to people as they're poised to go in now and obey where their parents disobeyed. I would like to hear what he has to say. Oh, by the way, this is a guy who meets face-to-face with God, so you want to hear from him. And of course, we know this is the Word of God. This is a, it's so, so in Deuteronomy, this is the structure of Deuteronomy. You basically have a restatement of the law to the people while they're poised to go into the promised land and do what they failed to do before. And if you listen to the book, it's not a chastisement. It's not saying, look, you failed. It's not saying, look, you losers. You know, you didn't do what I said. But what it's saying is, hey, remember, God is faithful. God, over and over, it, it, the emphasis in Deuteronomy is on the faithfulness of God, not on the failures of people. So if you're like I am, you can go back over your life, and you can list lots of times when you blew it, and lots of times you didn't do what you should have done, and what you could have done, and it would be tempting to say, well, I'm just a loser, I can't do this. But God brings us back to the same place over again. He encourages us with his faithfulness. He empowers us with his spirit, and so we should be fired up about trying to influence people to walk with God. That's what this is about. Now we reach the text today is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's kind of a famous text. Jesus quotes this as the key text of the Bible. And we're going to read Deuteronomy 6. And and what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring God allowing me four messages. And the messages are keyed on two words each. Today's message I'm just going to call, you want kids to live for the Lord? You want to influence other people to live for the Lord? Show them. Show them show them. You don't have to remember anything about the message. Show them. Let's read it. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land which you are go- to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God and your son, and you and your son and your son's son, children, grandchildren, generations, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Now this is the the, the famous text, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. Let's read the text again. This is our text for today is really there in verses 4 through 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might, and these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. So, so here's, the, here's the message in a nutshell, and I'll spin it out a bit more, but that's this. If you want to influence anybody to love God, what do you need to do? Love God. You need to love God. Show them, right? You ever notice that in your home, your kids, they do what you do more than they do what you say to do? Have you noticed that? Uh, here's how you notice that. When your child says something that's very displeasing to you and you kind of wince because you think, wow, that sounds like me. Like, wow, and, that, and it wasn't in my finer moments. I told them never to do that, but they didn't listen to what I said. They did what I do, right? 
That's how you learn the English language. You don't do sentence structure and grammar and syntax when you're a little kid. You just listen and you talk like mama talks and you talk like daddy talks. You mimic. We learn by copying people and we do a powerful imprint. You powerfully imprint people with who you really are. And sometimes who you really are just screams so loud, nobody can even hear what you're saying. And, and the worst thing is when you're saying all kinds of, you know, God talk and religious jargon and, and you're dragging them to church from time to time, but what you do is like unchristian or unloving, then guess which of those things they're going to notice. I mean, God is powerful and he can override that, but you, you, you want to contribute to people being influenced for God by showing them. It's like when we change oil and I, my oldest son, I want to teach him to change oil. I have a really special method of changing oil now. It's called the 10 minute oil change. I like drive in, I pay the guy, he's a professional, then I drive out. That's how I do it. My wife does it the same way. We drive in, change the oil. But I can change my own oil. I was changing my own oil in town here a while ago, 30 years ago. And we were over there on Dogwoods where we lived and the, and the, and the, the, the driveway kind of sloped and I was gonna save some money by changing my own oil. And so I cross threaded the filter. So like I had one car and I put all my oil in the, you know, crankcase, put the filter on, cross-threaded. You guys know what happens, ladies, you know what happens? It all ran out on the ground and ran right down the driveway. And I went out and I looked, I thought, I should have paid somebody that knows what they're doing because I don't know how to change my own oil. And I had to ride my bike to a convenience store because I don't have any friends. And I had to buy overpriced oil and come back and thread it on properly. I remember my dad telling me, go backwards till you hear it click. And then you go forward, you know, until it's tight and put a little oil on the gasket. You know, he taught me that stuff. I decided I was going to teach my son how to change oil because I'm really good at stuff like that. And so what I did first is I said, I'm going to have you watch me. And then the, the next time I said, now you're going to do it. I, I made a, a little mistake. You're, you're supposed to wait. And there's a reason for this. Wait until the engine cools down before you change your oil. I'm going to tell you why. Because like Kyle gets underneath there, then he, he, he pulls the plug in, but he doesn't pull the plug all the way out. He's got the pan under there and he pulls the plug and it gets kind of crossed and kind of half out. And so the oil kind of spits over to the side on him and it was still warm or kind of hot. So he got oil on his face and his chest and he's like, dad, this isn't fun anymore, you know. But you know, I train a kid to do anything. You know, you explain it to them and then, they, then you show them and then, then you let them help you and then you help them and then you let them do it, right? And it's the same way with loving Jesus. You gotta show them. But you gotta have a, you gotta have a brightness in your eyes when you sing about Jesus. You gotta be the first one up on Sunday because it's the day you go worship with the other people. You got to be the guy that they catch you in the morning with tears on your face because you're praying to God. And they, they catch you in the morning before when they come down, you're, you're reading your Bible. And they just think, well, why would dad, such a busy man, why would mom with so much to do, why would she be reading her Bible? Why would she forgive her enemies? Why would she sing those songs that she likes to sing? Why would she try so hard to be a good wife to dad and a good mom to us? You just, you show them, you see, you show them. These words will be, that's what the Bible says right here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your might. And these words that I commend you will, will be on your heart. They're in you first, see. So we don't send them to love God. We don't scold them into loving God. We don't suggest they love God. We show them how to love God. And the scriptures in verse 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and 6, they say it's a little list of things. To fear the Lord your God, verse 2. To keep his commandments and statutes, to obey him, verse 2. For you and your son and your grandson, this includes the girls too, granddaughters, grand, the scriptures bear that out. All the days of your life, verse 2. 
that it may go well with you. You'll have a blessing and multiply greatly. Verse 3, this is a national promise as well as like a family promise. Nations go better when they have strong families, and you have strong families more likely when you have people who love God. And promises are fulfilled in verse 3, and you love the Lord your God with all your heart. So you don't scold them into loving God. You don't send them off to love God. You don't shame them to love God, right? You don't chastise them to love God. You love God and you show them like the affection of your heart is with God. Now, to have a powerful spiritual influence, I'm going to kind of do a cheater thing and just give you five things so you can kind of hang these five things, five things you want to practice and be familiar with to be a spiritual influence. I mean, list all five, then I'll go over them a little more slowly and that we will get out before six or eight tonight. Number one, the greatest truth in the Bible is that God loves you. Now, this is what you want to be aware of. You've got to think about this. The greatest truth in the Bible is that God loves you. Second, our main duty is to love him back. Third, the greatest of his commandments, the best way to love God is to, is to keep his commandments. Fourth, the greatest of his commandments is to love one another. And fifth, love is the heart of spiritual influence. Read that again for you so you kind of are, your mind is tracking with where I'm headed here. The greatest truth in the Bible is God loves you. God loves you. Our main duty is love him back. The, the, the best way to love God is, he said, keep my commandments. The greatest commandment is to love God and others, right? And, and then, and, and love is the heart of spiritual influence. So Dale is here today. I'm, I'm going to take advantage of my son-in-law. I know I can do it because I asked permission before. But when he was dating Hannah, he did something I didn't approve of. It wasn't too bad now I think of it. But he, he and, and I, so I, I said something to him publicly. He was kind of like being real close to her, which I don't blame him. She's pretty and all. And I'm like, I said something to him. He's going to kill me for saying this right now. And, and so then he was really nice and he quit doing that, you know. And so, which wasn't horrible. You know, was, anyway, his head was in her lap. So that was it. Anyway, I'm like, hey, sit up. I go. So he gets right up. Now that night I get in bed and Lois goes, honey, you really embarrassed Dale today. And I go, well, he, he shouldn't have had his head on her lap. And she goes, well, I know, maybe, but like you really embarrassed him. Dale, you remember this, right? So the next time he came over, I love Dale and he's precious to me. And I went out to his car and I met him out there and I said to him, Dale, you know, I, I embarrass you. I embarrass you again right now, probably, right? I hope not. <laughs> He's not going to put my new floor in now. Um, and I said to him, Dale, I love you, and I don't want anything to come between us. I don't ever want anything to come between us, and I embarrass you, and I'm so sorry. Would you forgive me? He's teared up. He's tenderhearted, and he forgave me, right? You still good? <laughs> he loves me because we watch a dog all week. And, 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 and that's how it works, right? You don't let stuff come between you. You, you, the, my son, the Bible says, in, in, if you read Proverbs 23, it's really interesting. All the stuff you don't want your kid to do is in there. You don't want them to be drunken. You don't want them to hang out with bad people. You don't want them to chase immoral women or be immoral guys. You don't want them to waste their money, have bad friends. It's all in there, right? But what does he say in there? It says, my son, at one point he's talking about immoral women, which is really, you know, that's a problem for fellas, right? Immoral girls and immoral boys have problems. And, 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 it's, and what, it's a little phrase that says, my son, what's the next thing? Give me your heart. Give me your heart. And, and then it says, and let your eyes observe my ways. See, that's the deal. It's like with Dale and I, 
we, we gotta, I got to make sure that nothing comes between me and Dale because I want to have his heart. I want to know that we're okay. I will not influence him. I will not encourage him if, if I don't have his heart. If I hurt him and then, and then I lose that, then, 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 but, if I, but if I keep his heart and then he observes my ways, there's power in that, right? In other words, my son give me your heart is cultivate emotional intimacy with, with the people you want to influence, which should be all people. Cultivate emotional intimacy with the people that you want to influence and, and, can, and maintain that emotional intimacy. Be close, stay close, take care of things before the sun goes down, you know, on your wrap. And then in that powerful relationship that you have where you've cultivated emotional intimacy, my son, give me your heart, then you show them, look how, look what Jesus means to me. He's everything to me. I love him with all of my heart. I couldn't live without him. Look what he's done for me. Look what he means to me. He's my life and my breath and my everything. And the chances are good that that will powerfully influence them. I guarantee you there will be people in your life who are waiting to have somebody influence them like that. You, you cultivate emotional intimacy with them. You love them. And you show them your love for God. And so the Bible teaches this. The greatest truth in the Bible is God loves you. You see this in Ephesians 3 in the prayer that Paul gave. You know, my prayer is that you'll see the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of God's love and you'll be filled with all the fullness of God. You'll be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man by seeing how much God loves you. First thing you need to do every morning is say to yourself, God loves me. Don't let anybody ever tell you he doesn't. Don't listen to any other voices. You gotta know God loves you. And then he's acting in love towards you. And even if the signals are confusing, you've got to say, no, I believe what God has said in Romans chapter 8, through Christ, right, that nothing will ever separate us from the love of Christ through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the number one that was Karl Barth, the great theologian, who late in life, you know, they asked him, what's the greatest theological truth you ever studied? And he expressed it in a, a children's song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Never forget that. So the first thing you say, God loves me. You teach your kids, God loves them. You teach yourself, God loves you. The second thing then is you do what? You love him back. So you get up in the morning and say, I know you love me and I just want to love you back. Show me how to love you back today. Now what happens is, that's number one, the greatest truth in the Bible is God loves you. Number two, our main duty is to love him back. I call this the grand master key of the universe because it's repeated. Jesus repeats this Shema, O Israel. He repeats this hero Israel thing in Mark. It's recorded in Mark when they come to him and they're having a dispute about the greatest commandment, right? In the, in the gospel of Mark, they come to Jesus. They say, what do you say is the greatest commandment? This is a Mark in chapter 12 and verse 28. A scribe comes to him, Mark 12, 28. He heard them disputing with one another and seeing he answered them well said, which commandment is the most of, important of all? Jesus says, the most important is hero Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Does this sound familiar to you? Right, sit around me. And you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. What's, we used to run a big hotel, Christian ministry that was in a hotel. It was uh, f almost 500 rooms. And we had a machine, I was the general director. <laughs> so I had the privilege to make a key which would open any door in the hotel. It was kind of cool. They called it the grand master key. So I had the key in my pocket and I could code this key and I could open any door. Here's what, how would you like it if Jesus came and he said, let me tell you the key that opens all the doors, the grand master key of the universe. You get this, you got everything. 
What is that? It's love me. Love God with all your heart. And if you want to show God love, he says, love your neighbor. Love the people. Love your brothers and sisters. Love my other created beings. This is a heart. The, the love thing is the heart of everything. And so the most powerful thing you can do in your home is you show that love for God and you show that love for one another. And nothing else is going to shout louder than that. Nothing else is going to be more influential than that. And, and, and if you say, well, you know, maybe I've kind of blown that. And I've, got, I've been distracted. I've been busy or, or I've been selfish. And I've blown it. It's like, remember the God of the second chance? He brings us back again. Let's start now. Let's do it again. God, help me start over. I heard about a girl. She went up there to Camp Barakel and Tom Harmon was preaching. And he was talking about his, his daughter and how they had an agreement about her dating, whatever. And this girl was sad and, and she had made mistakes. And, and she was walking back to her cabin. Her dad was walking her back to the cabin. And she says, I feel so sad right now because I've made mistakes and I feel like I ruined my life. And her dad was really, God helped him that night. Her dad said to her, her name's Elizabeth. Her dad said to her, Elizabeth, why don't we start over? And she said, do you think we could? And he said, absolutely. I wish you could see Elizabeth's family today. She started over with God. You will meet her because she married my son, Kyle. And they have three little boys. And if you met them, you'd love them. She started over and you can start over, right? I can start over. And then you say, well, I, I haven't always perfectly shown my love for God. Let's start over, right? And God will empower you. He will fill you with his Holy Spirit to love. And then, so the greatest truth you need to know is God loves you. And your duty is love him back. And if you ask, how do you want me to love you? He's going to say, John 14, keep my commands. And one of his major commands is love me and love one another, especially love one another. The scriptures say it's the royal law in James chapter 2 and verse 8, that loving God is the royal law. And in Romans 13, it says, if you keep the law of love, you'll automatically keep all the other laws. And so you can kind of uh, simplify your life by just saying, I know God loves me. I'm going to love him back. And to love him back, I'm going to look for somebody to love who, who he loves. And that's the way I'm going to show my love to God. And that brings us back to love is the heart of spiritual influence. It was Valentine's Day this week. I hope it was, uh, hope you felt loved. I, I was thinking about uh, Lois and a time when we were at college and I wanted to buy her flowers when I didn't have any money. And uh, she likes flowers. I noticed when she got them from other guys, it made her happy. So I thought I probably should get her some flowers. But I didn't have any money at all. And I was walking up a stairwell, and uh, I spoke at a Valentine's banquet last night, and my wife is like, got to hear the story again. But anyway, so I'm walking up this stairwell, and I look out the window, and my heart was broken because I saw all these flower vans out there and all these other girls were getting flowers and I wasn't going to be able to buy Lois any flowers. And fast forward 30 years, I'm driving home from work one night and it's cold, it's winter. And all I'm thinking about is that fireplace in our house and how I'm going to pull my recliner up to that fireplace and let Lois wait on me hand and foot and bring me things, you know, drop grapes in my open mouth like she does every night, you know, stuff like that. And she calls on the phone, and her love language is get me stuff. And so she says on the phone, can you pick up one of those ice cream bars like we got when we were in Israel? And I was thinking, no, I'm cold, and I'm tired, and I want you to wait on me hand and foot. And then I remembered uh, back when I couldn't afford to buy her flowers. It's like she was just telling me, if you want to love me, just pick me up an ice cream bar. I'm not asking a lot. Listen, there, there's somebody real close to you. Maybe it's your wife or husband or your kids or your neighbor or somebody that nobody else is loving. And, and you, you're there by them and they, want, they need your love and you can do for them something. And Jesus says, if you want to love me, do that for them. 
then Bethel is a Jesus church. It means we're a loving church. I mean, we just love on people. We look for people that need love and unlikely, maybe unlovely, and we love them. And that's the heart of spiritual influence. That's the heart of evangelism. That's the heart of parenting, of love. It's the heart of that. It's to love God, and as an expression of our love for God, to love others into the love of God. It's a powerful thing. Now, the question is kind of a, what about you? Do you, can I just say it? Do you love God? Or do you just like kind of uh, go through uh, religious motions? Uh, is your heart really God's? It, it, or there's a counselor, his name's David Paulison, and he's written a famous article. We have copies of it on the back table. You can pick it up. It's a very insightful article, but it's called 33 X-ray questions. And they're questions that you can ask. They're a self-diagnostic tool that you can ask yourself, do I, listen, do I love God? This is important because why? Your spiritual influence depends on it, that you genuinely love God. Why don't we examine our hearts this week and say, do I really have affections for God and love for God? Or do I just kind of have a religious experience that I tack on to the rest of what I do? You know, that would be a good thing. So you, you pick that up. When I, uh, when I was uh, a young dad, I always got up early in the morning and the kids almost never got up before me. Lois is a night owl, so she's very productive late into the night. But I would get up in the morning and I remember one morning in particular that I got up early it wasn't too early because the sun was up and it was, the sun was shining through the windows of the house. And, and I came down, we had like a tri-level and I came down the steps and I looked and in the living room, the sun was shining through the windows and it left a patch of sunlight on the ground, a beautiful patch of sunlight. Lois had made our daughter Holly a little gown. It was yellow. It was a little yellow flannel gown. And Holly had gotten up before me that morning and she must have still been tired because she went over there and she found that little patch of sunlight and like a kitten, she curled up in that little patch of sunlight. Kind of neat thing is when you go to Wano and you're a kid or VBS and people stuff your brain full of Bible verses, they pop out later on when you're older, right? And this is what came to my mind, you know, when I saw little Holly curled up in the sunshine, keep yourself in the love of God. John, the apostle, brilliant apostle, follower of Jesus, intimate of Jesus. They called him the apostle of love. When he got old, he visited the church and he says, let me just keep it simple for you, you know. Keep yourself in the love of God. Would you stand up? Stand up where you are. We're going to sing a song. It's called More Love to Thee, O Christ. More love to thee. We won't really kneel, but in our hearts, you know, hear thou the prayer I make on bended knee. This is my, this is my earnest plea more love, O oh Christ. Why don't we just tell him that? Like, hey, do you feel like I do? Like all week I've been thinking, God, do I love you like I, like, like you, like I ought to love you? And, and you, you got to say, well, I, I, I want to love you more. Let's sing that together before we go.